start. The topics discussed here are very political. Uh, we talk about the 2020 elections regarding Joe Biden and President Trump and all our claims here are not really backed by any extensive evidence so viewer discretion is advised. We also use a lot of strong language in this episode especially to describe people so please remember while you're listening to this podcast that these opinions are just our own and they aren't meant to anger, only to provoke a discussion. Thank you. Hey yo, what is up? And welcome back to another PPP podcast. I'm your host, Boyka, and I'm here with my two other hosts, Megan and Yvette. And today we are going to be going over different factions of the government and Trump and how he's been dealing with those different factions of the government. Uh, We all have a lot of opinions on the president of our country. So let's just hop into it. And yeah. So for starters, um, let's start with a pretty like neutral topic before we get into like the big stuff. What do you guys think about like the electoral college and how we decide who becomes president and stuff. I am, personally, I am very, very much opposed to the Electoral College, and here's why. So, uh, when the Civil War happened, there was the South and the North, and as we all know, the South was, like, really against Black people have any rights at all. The South didn't want Black people to vote, but they did want to count it in their population for the amount of electors in the Electoral College. And... That electoral college was the solution to their problems because they just count black people as part of the population, but not as part of the voting. So it was like the white people were voting for the entire population. And I feel like it has still a way for like smaller states with really conservative views to be able to like vote their way up. Because a lot of the time there's the same amount of electors for the same amount of states. So let's say that California has like 1.2 million people, but like little old Alaska has like 300 people living in it, right? Which is an exaggeration, obviously. Um, Alaska would get like the same poll as California because Alaska would get like two electors and then California would get two electors. And it's like, well, bro, California has more population. You know what I mean, right? I really don't like the idea of the electoral college. I feel like it erases the democracy, You know, because look at the last election, right? So Trump won and he has been president, but Hillary won the popular vote by a landslide. But that still didn't get her in. And it's because of the electoral college. And it's just like, what could have happened, you know, if we relied on our people instead of random people? You know what I mean? So yeah, I see what you're saying. And that's like what a lot of people are saying about Electoral College is just that it's not representative of the majority vote of what most people in the United States want. But actually, I kind of researched Electoral College. And by research, I mean, I watched some videos on it. I looked at some articles about it, not like in-depth research. But anyways, I learned that the Electoral College was actually thought up by the founding fathers and stuff. And what they wanted was like rich uh, landowners and like people who would become the electors. They were the ones who could decide who the president was. They didn't trust the common populace to actually decide who the president should be. They only trusted like rich white landowners who also owned slaves and stuff. So that's why they arranged it so that people actually don't have a say. Like the majority vote doesn't really mean much. But then again, that is just my backhand, not very legit research. (laughs) 
Um, can we talk about the Founding Fathers for a moment? Because I feel like they really, how should I put this nicely? I feel like we are relying on a bunch of old white dudes who are dead to tell us what we should or should not be doing with our country when we the people should be making these decisions. We are basing all our laws on the Constitution, which was, again, founded by white guys who all had slaves and are dead. And we have the Declaration of Independence. White guys, dead. And I feel like we should reform our ideals based on what we see in today's modern culture. A lot of what is in the rule book has been changing. And I feel like this is the start of something bigger than us. This should be where change happens. And I feel like that needs to start at the beginning with what the old white dude who are now six feet under decided was best for us. I totally agree with that. And I think the issue at hand here is kind of just the laws and rules that were formed like way back when, 400 years ago, they're not really as effective. And I feel like it's just not really working in modern society. Sometimes it's not always as effective as one would want it to be. Yeah, I feel you, but I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I understand where you're coming from, and I honestly really agree with it, because, like, the Constitution is really dated. It's really old, and there's some weird-ass language in it. But I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, because a lot of people nowadays are really into, like, tradition and stuff. And to think that, oh, our founding document, our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence, that's going to be taken away and replaced by something new? Absolutely not, you know? They're very uh, defensive of, like, our national pride. And I guess our national pride is dependent on the Constitution and all these old documents that pretty shady people have written. I feel like what we're witnessing right now with the Black Lives Matter movement and all of these movements finally opening up about how hard it has been to really try to get their voice out there. I feel like this is where we need to start respect minorities so much more. I mean, our current president, you know, he, he bashes on minorities, like, all the time. Immigrants and, like, minorities, like, he does this all the time. And I feel like he doesn't understand that immigrants founded this country. I mean, we are on native land. We pushed the natives out. Like, this is not our country. This is their country. And we took it. Can we just talk about, like, democracy for a second? I know that's the whole point of today's episode about, like, the Electoral College and stuff. So a few days ago, I was reading up on democracy, and there's this book I found on it. It's just talking about sociology, and it's it's basically explaining, like, uh, representative democratic systems and how, while the whole ideal of democracy is that everybody gets to vote and everybody gets to have a choice in the rules and the people that are, like, part of the government, right? It's kind of difficult for that to happen, and democracy rarely involves, like, every single person voting, right? And I think the issue with the electoral colleges is that you as like a common person, someone who's middle class or lower middle class, something like that, you don't really have a say as to the future of where you live in. And I think that is sort of an issue. I think we talked about this earlier in season one, episode two or three, about like politics and stuff. And I think what you're saying is absolutely right. The normal citizen in America probably doesn't have any say at all in the government and stuff. Like no matter how much they vote, no matter how much they try to talk to their senators and stuff, they really don't have much power, even though it's apparently a democracy, right? I wouldn't necessarily say that's a bad thing. Yes, um, of course, it's something we probably need to change. But I wouldn't say it's necessarily a bad thing that the average person doesn't have much power. Because if you think about it, if the average person had like 
as much power as like a pure democracy would give them like one voting ballot that would mean that it would be very chaotic when it comes to deciding policies and deciding what to do because you have all these voices yelling at once it's going to be really hard to make policies to enforce them to adjust to different circumstances i feel like Yes, we do need to change, but we don't need to make it so that the individual has, like, too much power. I disagree with you there. Um, I think people should have say in the government. I do agree with you on one point. I agree, like, the average Joe that has done nothing his entire life should be suddenly granted the presidency. But I also feel like people should have say in the government, no matter how small, if we made sure that every vote actually counts, as opposed to the way things are currently going, where the votes don't count, I feel like that would change a lot of things. If you walk into a voting booth and you know that once you put in that ballot, the vote counts, and it's part of a greater thing that will elect the president. More people are going to want to start voting. More people are going to actually want to start showing up, which has been a problem in the last few years. You know, people don't want to go and vote. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with morale, you know, because people don't want to go when they know that in the end it will matter, right? And that's what Electoral College is doing. It's letting a bunch of, like, cis white males just determine, like, what our lives should be like. You know, it's not what we want. But yeah, I'm kind of fed up with our current system. Yeah, I agree with you there about how um, people need to make sure that their votes count. Because I know right now, especially in actuality, the people don't decide. It's the electors that people vote for. They decide who the president is. And it's like really complicated. People's votes basically don't count. And yes, I agree. They should count. But I don't think they should count for a lot. They should count for something, but it shouldn't be like you open the floodgates and then you have every single American go in and vote. And then you count up all their votes like the old fashioned way. And then you're like, oh, whoever gets the most votes wins because that's very chaotic. It's going to be open to a lot of corruption and stuff. Like you have to have some sort of backup. And I don't think that backup should be reliant on the people, if that makes any sense. But on the other hand... Wasn't this nation founded on the promise that the people would have a say? Wasn't this nation founded on the history of corruption through the British and the oppression through the British? Wasn't this nation founded on the promise that we would be different? Well, we're not. I don't see anything changing from what the British did to us. And I'm so done with the current system because I feel like where are all these lost promises going, you know? Because I get what you're saying. I really do. I don't feel the same, but I see your mindset. I see your process. I suggest that the other solution would be to vary the number of electors depending on population sizes. That would be probably the best idea. And by that, I mean, like, let's say California, which is pretty huge, gets four electors. Whereas little Nebraska in the corner, there are two electors. We should vary depending on the bigger the population because i feel like that would give the bigger populations more say because california is very liberal and i feel like that's not being represented enough i feel like we're one of the biggest states we've got la we've got hollywood and i feel like it's not being shown same with texas i know that they're pretty wild and out there but they're also really big and i feel like their vote isn't counting either so i feel like if we're gonna have checks and balances we have to do it the right way Like, I totally agree with that, but I feel like doing that might cause a few issues. Like, you were talking about Nebraska and how Nebraska is going to get, like, less representation than California. And I I do agree with the fact that California is, in fact, bigger than Nebraska, and there are a ton more people in California than Nebraska. But smaller states should also have, like, 
some sort of way of being able to decide who goes in the government, what kind of rules go in the government and stuff like that. And I think even though like our government is still kind of flawed, you know, I feel like the system that we learned about in eighth grade, how you get a certain amount of voters based on your population size, but you also get like a set number. I feel like that would also kind of help balance it out. And although I do agree with you that our current system can have changes and that like sometimes bigger states don't always get as much representation, the system that we have currently is pretty decent on its own. I disagree with you for numerous reasons. First, I feel like a lot of the states have very conservative opinions. And while I'm not saying that's bad, I'm saying that this varies the score a little bit, you know? For instance, California with its 1.2 million people, we are very liberal, as I've said before, and we tip the scale more to the liberal side with our electors, you know? But Nebraska coming in with the same amount of electors is voting conservative because most of their population, which is very small and very limited, are all conservative. And because they have the same amount of electors, they tip the scale back to their side. Now, you see where my problem lies here, because while I understand that dates should get a say, I also feel like the American people aren't getting a say. Because when, what, like a couple thousand people from Nebraska vote Republican, those 1.2 million people in California are just being canceled out because these electors are just waging a war when it's obvious it should be determined by population sizes. We are supposed to be a democracy, not a monarchy. And I feel like if our current president, who I have very negative feelings for, I feel like it's so easy for him to just pull the strings in his favor, you know, whenever he wants. And this is exactly why, because the American people don't get a say. And I feel like if they did, they would change a lot of things right now. First, impeaching him would be the very first thing that we do and we would replace him. Because if I know my generation, which I'm pretty sure I do because I'm part of this generation, I can tell already that a lot of us are very, very angry with the way things are going. And when you say that the system is decent on its own, I also have to disagree because we're just stepping backwards at this point. The last four years have been hell because our president is making bad decisions on behalf of the American people. And how is that supposed to reflect on our quote-unquote democracy? I feel like both of you are arguing the wrong thing. Yes, we need to change our voting system, but I feel like Wojka's arguing for like a House of Representatives kind of a thing, while Megan's arguing for a Senate kind of a thing. Because like for Senate, um, every state gets two senators, regardless of population, regardless of density or size or whatever. Every state gets two. Um, and then for House of Representatives, it just depends on the population. But we're talking about the president, right? So I think we should just skip the whole part where states get votes and just go from the people directly to the government. I know what I said earlier that if we do that, it's going to be really complicated and confusing. And that's why I don't think we should do it. But if we're going to reform our system we should actually reform it instead of just copying the system that we use for House Representatives or Senate. Earlier when I was talking about how like votes are represented in states and stuff like that, I didn't mean all the states get a certain amount of votes and then like Nebraska has the same power as California. I think what we have now, you know, you have like a certain amount, but you also have like an additional set based on how many people per like thousands of square miles. Something like that, because you have to balance it somehow. There's two extremes, right? One of them is like, you have a set amount of voters, no matter. And then like, on the other side is like, oh, you have a certain amount of voters based on population density, how many people live in the state, right? 
I feel like those two extremes, while I get what Voika is saying about how like some of the bigger states need more like representation, I feel like it's kind of extreme. In that case, like some of the smaller states won't really get a voice. This sounds weird, but I feel like if we do what Voika is suggesting, we're going to have a reduction of states. Like, think about it. If Iowa only gets, like, one electoral vote or whatever, and California gets, like, 16 or something, this is just, you know, a random number, then if I were in Iowa and I feel like my voice isn't heard enough, then I would just move to California. And I feel like a lot of people would do the same. And then Iowa would just have no people. And Iowa probably wouldn't come to the state anymore. Something like that. That's extreme. And I don't know how this ties into the conversation, but I just feel like that's something that should be mentioned. So moving past that, I think the best way to determine which state gets uh, however many electoral votes would be to use a set ratio. Like, for example, 1,000 people would equal to one electoral vote. Obviously, there would be some hassle because of decimal points and, like, we could just round and stuff. But I feel like if we have a set ratio then there won't be any sort of favoritism towards smaller states or bigger states. Can I just say, I disagree again. Um, I'm disagreeing a lot in this episode. I'm sorry. I'm not usually this disagreeable. I propose we get rid of the electoral college completely. We just chop it right off. There's a lot we can do to change our current system, but we're failing to realize that we might just need a new system. I understand the need for checks and balances, but these checks and balances were created by people that have long outlived us. And I feel like there's got to come a time when we've got to realize that the Constitution can't be law forever, you know? Like, we are changing, and so are our values and our morals and what we as a society and we as the coming generations believe in. Um, I think that the way we are elected president isn't working. Neither is the way we pass laws. And it's so easy for enemies of the states to pull the strings. Trump and Russia, that was never figured out. And I'm still pretty sure that he's still doing them with Russia because he hasn't spoken to Vladimir Putin about any of the things that he's supposed to be talking to Vladimir Putin about. That makes me believe that something else shady is going on. Anyway, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not trying to say that Trump is suddenly in the Russian mafia. I'm just trying to say that, like, it's very easy for other nations to just, like, swoop in. Because with our current system, we're in kind of, like, a state of collapse here. Um, I feel like in a perfect society, we would be able to function, you know, and we would be able to have, like, a good system, like you said. Like, in a perfect society, we wouldn't have this system where the common person probably isn't going to have that much power in deciding, like, the rules, laws and who rules the society, right? I think, like, you bringing up our current president, Donald Trump, I think the reason why, like, politics and systems and all that stuff is a little complicated, I think, is just because everybody has their own agendas, whether it's like, oh, like, someone wants to be more popular, something like that. There's always going to be some ulterior motive, and I think that's sometimes why, like, the electoral college is just not very good. Because the people who are, like, representing us, they don't really have the same ideals as we do. It, it's just a little more complicated than it should be, just because everybody is, like, different. Everybody has their own kind of agenda. I propose we do this generation by generation, because I believe that each generation can hear the voices of their generation louder than the ones that they aren't a part of. Like, for example... Us three, we're more connected to people that are the same age as us, you know? And I feel like that's similar to politics. I understand that, like, once you get out of, like, 
high school and college, like stop seeing people your same age and you start seeing like more adults and stuff. But at the end of the day, like the friends you've acquired throughout your life are usually going to be the ones that are like similar in age, you know, have the same issues in mind, have the same morals. And I feel like if we do this generation by generation, instead of having each person like be in the Senate forever and then retire whenever the hell they want, I feel like we should give them like the president a set time, four years for each like member of the Senate. That would just make it more like generational as the generations keep ebbing and flowing like so does the senate and the issues that we really want to address are out in the public and they're mentioned and i feel like that would be a good way to do it so i see what you're both saying and i feel like what boyka says about how we should have the senate refresh for every generation that's a really good idea but i think the only problem is that it's going to be like really chaotic i think the main problem with these ideas is that they sound really good on paper right everyone gets a say everyone gets their voice heard and there's no oppression of people who can't vote or people whose votes don't really count stuff like that but i think the biggest problem of a very inclusive democracy is just the fact that it's going to be very chaotic and it's going to be very, very immovable in a sense. It's going to be really hard to pass any good policies. It's going to be really hard to be resilient, especially like nowadays. So what if we give people who are currently oppressed power? So instead of making laws surrounding people who are like POC or who are women or who are disabled or who are LGBTQ+, why don't we just give them power? For one simple reason. I mean, like you said earlier, power really isn't for everyone. And I don't doubt that the people who are currently dealing with a lot of the issues in our government would have great ideas on how to fix it. However, a lot of people put vengeance over the good of people. It's human nature. So if we were to give the whole group of oppressed people power, that would be one, a large ass group because our nation ain't doing so good. And two, like what if they just decide that they just kill everyone in the government? The government did that to them. So why shouldn't they do something back to the government? You know, like people think that way. I get why, honestly. But I think that our current system is bad and I think we need to do stuff to fix it. And I feel like all our solutions have been like trying to to get everyone's voices heard but sometimes it's not that easy you know okay so i feel like what you said about how oppressed people will take vengeance first i disagree with that and i also think that's factually inaccurate think about it let's say you boyka a, a teenage girl right you have one factor of your identity that is oppressed which is being a woman right? As we talked about earlier, like feminism and stuff. If you are put in office or if you're put in a position of power, I don't think the first thing you do is make it so that being a man is illegal or something, right? You wouldn't kill all men. You'd write bills, you'd pass legislation that would make it easier for women. Let's say fixing the wage gap or fixing sexual assault, rape, stuff like that, right? The thing here is that I don't think we should automatically assume that oppressed people are like hardened they have vengeance in their hearts no they just normal people who want to have the same rights as others so if we put them in power they should be reasonable people like average people and just the thing is they're being oppressed so they have a better view of what to fix the problem is that I am not everyone. I do not think the same as everyone else, which is a lot of the problems in politics, honestly. People think one way and the nation thinks another and there are so many people in the entire nation and not everybody thinks the same. So it's hard to make decisions based on the whole of everybody's opinion always weighing on you, right? That's part of being in politics. But 
you using me as an example, it doesn't seem fair or justified because I'm not everybody and I'm not the hardest working feminist out there. I know, like I said in an earlier feminist episode, I made it clear that feminism isn't hating men, right? But there are still people that label themselves as feminists and want to imprison all men. Those groups exist. You can't deny the fact that these groups exist. Like, it's on the internet. You do some digging and you can find a lot of women angry with men and wanting vengeance, right? So imagine me put one of them in office. Like, I'm not denying that, obviously, like, they're valued, right? Because they support the message of the movement. They're not going about it in the right ways. And I feel like if we put one of them in office, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, suddenly, like, all men are slaves now. Like, we have to hate on all men. We have to segregate men and women. Like, people have suggested that. Do some digging, look it up. There are people that are like, we should segregate, like, men and women, like, because women are obviously more superior and we should get more stuff, and the men should be, like, held on a lower class, which is, like, high-key sus to me, but whatever. So, yeah, like, you say average Joe, but no one is average, you know? No one is just a quote-unquote normal person, right? We all have flaws, we all have things that we want to see changed in the world and that other people might not approve of, right? That's, like, the whole thing in politics. I don't feel like an quote-unquote average Joe could handle the opinions of everyone on the nation. You guys have, like, the extremes, right? So Voika is, like, like an oppressed person comes into power, then they're going to get revenge, and then that's, like, oppressed people, like, they want to change, they want to make it more equal. I think instead of thinking of these people as, like, a huge group, thinking, like, oh, like, all oppressed people are going to do this, or, like, all oppressed people are going to do this, I get what you're saying, Voika, how... Not everybody is able to handle, like, politics and the opinions of, like, everybody in the nation, right? So I think it's wrong to think of people and classify them into groups as, like, oppressed people and think, like, oh, they're, like, terrible or whatever. I think we should just focus on, like, individuals and really specify and think about those individuals and let them run for office. And if we don't like them, then we can vote them out of power, right? It feels weird to talk about oppressed people in a manner that kind of boils them down to just like, oh, they're going to do this, or oh, they're going to do this. Instead, I think we should just focus on people like morally and as individuals. Our current system of running for president, I'm not talking about like electing the president, I'm talking about running for president, is also unfair because there are certain requirements, right? You have to be over a certain age. And you have to have political experience, right? Oftentimes, and I'm not saying this about everyone, but I'm saying this about a majority of the groups, at least what I've seen, is that once someone goes into politics, it becomes less about the issues and more about the money. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, uh, Trump. Anyway, like what you're saying, which I understand, you know, like take every individual person. Don't like cluster that one together, you know, make it about individual uniquenesses and celebrate those. I agree. I want to see that. I really, really do. But I feel like you can't talk to every single person in America to get their opinion. It just won't work. I'm not saying we should push the minorities like together, like that's wrong and unjust and cruel. But what I'm saying is you can't just take an average Joe off the street and help him run for president. There are certain things to be demanded in that regard. And I feel like those who've gone into politics go for presidency because they want more. That's it a lot of the time. They don't want to change what they think has been going good. That's why I'm tired of our current system. I don't think that, like, we stand a chance because the people up there, like, pulling the strings, you know, they've really got the whole nation wrapped up tight. Exactly. And I feel like 
the fact that presidency is so exclusive in a sense, that's why there's so many white cishet males, usually pretty old ones, becoming president. Like we've had um, a line of 45 presidents and all of them have been male. All of them have been over 35 because that's the regulation. And only one of them have actually been like african-american what i was trying to say before about like letting the oppressed have power i was trying to say this like i think our senate our house of representatives our um cabinet our president it should be filled with more diversity and these people who are in fact oppressed people whose identities are oppressed and stuff like being black being lgbtq plus being a woman being disabled stuff like that if they are in office i feel like they would have a greater understanding of the policies and of what they need to do to fix them and if they are in office they wouldn't be blinded by like money and stuff because they've been oppressed before and they know what it feels like compare that to a white cis het male who probably has never faced systemic oppression in his life. And you can see where people of oppression would probably make better and more equal rules. And I know what you said, Worka, about how like these people would probably have like hatred in their hearts and stuff. But like what Megan said, we shouldn't really generalize people. And that's on me too. I shouldn't generalize people to saying that, oh, all oppressed people are good people. But I don't think we should stop oppressed people from running for office, from becoming people of power just because we're afraid that they would elicit vengeance on us. But anyways, moving on from that, why don't we talk about like what's happening currently? So right now is a very important moment in American politics because in three to four months, in three to four months, the 2020 elections will happen between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And so do you think Biden should win? And if so, why? And if not, why? I wouldn't vote for Biden. He definitely wasn't even in the running for first choice, but I'd prefer him over Trump. He's a Democrat. He knows what's going on with the BLM movement. He's expressed his disdain for police violence in the past. I feel like he'd fare better than Trump is doing right now. So. I totally agree with that, Voika, because, like, I don't really know much about politics, but the past four years, we've all gotten to experience what it's like to have Donald Trump as president, and, like, we're not doing very well as a country. I mean, we've never really done well as a country, considering we were kind of built on, like, white colonialism and stealing land from people and hurting people. Our country is really messed up, you know, and just seeing a firsthand experience of what it would be like if Donald Trump was president. I don't really want him to win. That's what really almost everybody in our generation thinks. But like, for real, if we end up going down the path that we're carving right now, like America's gonna be in ruins. America's gonna be in shambles by like 2024. If we continue like down this path of like bad policies and treating minorities really badly, I feel like that's gonna end really badly so i wouldn't really want trump to win the election you know and i don't really know much about biden but i think he would be better than trump honestly yeah i agree with you guys and i feel like at least most of our generation agrees with you guys you've got this really big polarization going on in this country where it's either trump sucks living under trump is a dystopia i'd rather have biden win than trump and then you've got people who are like trump is awesome and yeah biden sucks you know we should totally keep Trump. This election is actually really interesting because this is one of the biggest elections of the century, I feel like. Because 
I've talked to a lot of people about the elections and a lot of them really are not looking forward to it. And a lot of them are saying, oh, Biden and Trump, they're like the worst choices. You know, it's like choosing the lesser of two evils. That shouldn't be happening, especially with such a strong leadership position as a president. It's really strange to me how we've managed to make it so that both candidates suck. And it just comes up to determining which one sucks less. Like, I know Biden has a whole bouquet of issues. Like, a lot of people are saying he has dementia. I'm not sure if that's true, but it's definitely possible because he's hella old. A lot of people are saying that he's committed sexual assault, low-key a pedophile. I mean, this sounds awful, but he probably does not have as many sexual assault cases as Trump, right? He At least he doesn't say, like, demeaning things about women and minorities on camera. And then the fact that we're actually saying that someone who has allegedly committed sexual assault, the fact that we're still gonna vote for him says a lot about our country, really, and this election, and how right now our government and our politics have been really, really twisted, right? I totally agree with you there, man. I think that we shouldn't be choosing the lesser of two evils. We should be choosing the greatest of the good, you know? It shouldn't be about, like, oh, who has less sexual assault cases. It should be who has the most passion to see this country flourish. I feel like we had a good opportunity with Bernie there. Like, I went to a couple of his rallies. He was planning to fight for what he believed in. And this included taking money out of the military which is something that we've all kind of been like, please do that because they're spending like $15 million on random ships sent out of the China for no reason just to look at them. I don't know. Like, I don't even care. I am not 18 yet, so I don't have to pay taxes. But if I was the American public right now, like I would be outraged at what your taxpayer money is being used on. You know what I mean? Like, where do you think Trump keeps getting this money? President of the United States. Sure, he's rich, but America is the one that lends him $50 million to send random chips out to China. Like, honey, people gotta open their eyes, okay? People gotta open their eyes and realize this government, this whole system, Trump, Biden, like, I remember the last election with Hillary and Trump. Jesus! It, it was the same thing. We had to choose the lesser of two evils. I mean, I was fully in support of Hillary because I feel like having a woman as president would have been great and you know she was a very inspiring leader back in the day and very influential so i feel like she would have been a much better resident but you know what what can i say man right so 2016 election the reason why trump won is because he had a silent majority like i know a lot of people that were talking about how hillary was really likely to win because her name was all over the internet right people were talking about hillary like oh vote hillary vote hillary but then trump won and that was really surprising i'm not sure if it was like to the nation as a whole i didn't do research on that but he had a silent majority and these are my predictions for 2020 i feel like it's gonna be really close but i still feel like trump's gonna win and i say this not as like a trump supporter i don't want him to win at all but i just have a feeling that he has an edge over Biden and several reasons. These reasons aren't necessarily really factual. They're just kind of my analysis of what happened in 2016 and then also of what happened in the four years since then. Trump has been an awful president. I think a lot of people can agree that Trump is not the best president and he has certainly done some awful things. So that silent majority that voted him in in 2016, maybe like a quarter of that, to be really um, generous, quarter of that probably just gone. His silent majority, quarter of that has left him because of how awful he is as president. But 
it's still there. He still has people supporting him, even though what he's done is crazy. Especially with the coronavirus, what he's done is, like, insane. But I think he has the edge over Biden simply because Biden is an awful person too. And if he was going against straight up Bernie, Bernie could have won. But I think just Biden is such a bad candidate as well. And Biden is basically just a tiny bit above his level, in my opinion. Sure, Democrats would vote for Biden because he is part of their party and he's probably going to do more than Trump. Like, I'm kind of more in Biden's favor. I still don't like Biden. But those people who are independent, those people who swung towards Trump last elections, but are now thinking that Trump's kind of a bad person, I don't think they'd vote for Biden either, because Biden's not a good person either. So even though Trump has been an awful president, I feel like there are still people who would just vote for him to keep Biden out of office. I still feel like there is a silent majority here, because I go on the internet um, to my pretty liberal feed. I gotta admit, my feed is kind of biased. And I see a bunch of posts saying, you know, Trump sucks, vote for Biden, vote for Biden, vote for Biden. It's all over Instagram, all over Twitter, all over Facebook. Friends are talking about it, stuff like that. But they are a vocal minority. And part of the reason is people like you, Wojka, Megan, and me, we can't vote, right? The people who support Biden are young people, millennials and Generation Z. So if they go ahead and start talking about Biden, 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 only like a fraction of them will be actually able to vote for Biden, while the rest of us are just gonna have to sit here and watch a TV as the votes get counted. So yeah, I feel like even with all this press about how Biden's gonna be a better president and all these infographics and tweets and Instagram posts running around saying, we better just vote for Biden to stop Trump. Trump's still gonna win. Okay, (laughs) so about Trump's reign, right, from 2016 to 2020, I know a lot of people hated him for what he did, but I've been looking on pro-Trump pages on Instagram and stuff, and one of the biggest arguments that people have said in support of Trump is that he has helped bolster the economy and has helped unemployment rates drop a lot, and he's just done a lot for the country's GDP pre-corona. Obviously, like right now, he's doing really awful things. But pre-corona, they're saying that he's done a lot of good things related to money. You know, I just have a few quick words to say about this. Don't worry, I'll, I'll be brief. Trump has done absolutely fucking nothing. There, I said it. In his entire presidency, he has done not a single thing. He wasn't the one that bolstered the economy. Because my God, you know what the economy depends on? It depends on working class individuals and taxpayer money. All he did was like, do a little diddling with the money, maybe raise some taxes here and there, and suddenly the economy's flourishing and it's on him. He did absolutely nothing. He didn't do a single fucking thing to help the economy. The economy ebbs and flows, okay? That's how the economy works. And he happened to hit it at a good time and he got to sit back in his little Oval Office chair and do whatever the fuck he wanted and, you know, he was bolstering the economy. Listen, as soon as corona hit, the economy went to shit. You know why? Because Trump has done nothing and he does not know how to fix the situation. He literally sat back and said it was the quote-unquote Chinese virus while people were literally losing jobs while the Asian stereotypes were being abused and just used over and over again for something people can't control. And he's calling it the Chinese virus, but come the fuck up. At this point, it's the American virus. Every other country has their shit together. Why can't you get your fucking shit together in your brain, President Trump? Literally, there are countries out there right now 
that are opening up their doors again. People can go to the parks and not have to wear a mask anymore. They took it seriously. And you know what? The moment it was at 15 deaths and he said that it was going to go away really soon was the moment that the economy didn't matter anymore. He doesn't care about the livelihood of his citizens. He signed up to be the president of the United States. He signed up and he petitioned and he campaigned and he got there and he doesn't care about any of his citizens. It became apparently obvious that Trump has no idea what the fuck he's into. And the economy is crumbling because of him. It's because of him. If he took any of this seriously, he would have made people wear masks, made people go on safety regulations faster because it wasn't enough to do it when it was too late. You have to do it before you know the game. You have to take every precaution as president. You have to make sure nation's people are safe. And he didn't. And now he is suffering the consequences of watching his nation suffer and his precious economy crumble. All because he couldn't tell people to wear a fucking mask. For Christ's sake. I totally agree with that. Honestly, just looking back at the stuff that's been happening recently, COVID-19, and then President Trump's like response to that, calling it like the Chinese virus and like Kung Flu. And like, it just bothers me. We're talking about the impact that the president made on like, just like everything. It's like a snowball effect. He says one thing and then another and then another. And then it just becomes like such a big problem. It's like a snowball effect. I would totally understand if you have like a president who said like, one bad thing and then apologize for it and then learn from it and became a better person. But that's not the case. I feel like in this circumstance, the president is like saying one thing and then there's like a lot of backlash. And instead of learning from it and thinking, oh, maybe what I'm doing is not good, right? Instead of being like that, he's like, oh, you guys all hate me. Like, oh, I'm gonna ban TikTok. I'm gonna like make fun of reporters who say that I'm bad or I'm gonna do all this stuff. Like, it just bothers me. The fact that we as common people aren't really allowed to express our views, it's so complicated. I feel like it's a huge mess right now. And I totally agree with Voika. Like, the president really hasn't done anything to help. America is just not doing very well right now. Speaking of Trump, in my opinion, he's like Jar Jar Binks. I don't know if you guys know Jar Jar Binks, but like, he looks stupid on the outside. But then on the inside, he's planning something. Because I don't think Donald Trump's that stupid. Like, sure, he's a white supremacist, he's sexist, he's xenophobic. You can call him all these names you want, and they're probably true. But I don't think he's stupid. He's a businessman, and he's carved out a niche for himself through business. I don't think he's stupid enough to, like, do all this thing, like banning TikTok, calling it a Chinese virus, stuff like that. I don't think he's doing it because he's stupid. He's doing it because he has an agenda. I can tell you his agenda right now. Money. Let me lay it out here. President... Donald Trump did not create a business single-handedly. He got a small loan of a million dollars from his father to start his company and uh, accumulated lots of property, most of which he just stamped his name on and then left to run in shambles. By the way, Donald Trump University, yeah, that's a thing. Trump Tower, Trump Wine, Trump Cereal. His name is everywhere, and he does it because... He's a really dumb businessman. Like, he's genuinely a dumb businessman. I remember at the beginning of his presidency, 
when all these stories came out about towers and buildings and stuff that he'd been buying up and then not doing anything with them. And he does that because he wants publicity and he wants his name to be out there, right? Like, it's not enough to have his business paying him. Like, now he gets taxpayers' money. He gets to live in, like, the most prestigious house. He isn't some master genius about to suddenly reveal his intentions on his last day of the election, blow up the world or whatever. He's just an idiot who makes bad business decisions and bad presidential decisions, and all he wants is the fame and the money and the attention. It's clear. I mean, I don't know how clear it can be. He doesn't know the first thing about being a president. He doesn't know the first thing about being a businessman. All he knows is that money is good when you're accumulating it. And so he is. That's what he's doing. If what you're saying is true, Boyka, then I stand corrected. I don't really know much about Trump. I didn't really do research on him as a person. But I still don't think he's like that stupid. Obviously, he doesn't know how to be a president. I think we can all agree. He doesn't know what it means to be a president. And I have a feeling he got the job as a president because of something related to business. And that makes me really scared. Because when the government and capitalist corporations mix, that's when you get really, really bad leadership, really, really bad policies. And that's kind of when you get like fascism and tyranny and stuff. And I think we'll talk about it next episode as well. But yeah, I remember when Trump wanted to become president, he signed this deal with this oil and pipeline company that I don't know the name of because my research is very bad. But um, he signed a deal with them and he said that he would make it like a federal law or he passed some sort of bill to let them continue to drill for oil and dig pipelines in the country. And obviously as an environmentalist, I am very, very surprised. Like, okay... I am very, very disappointed, and I'm also very surprised that he managed to actually do a business deal around presidency, because that's something that no one should ever do. And the fact that he's a businessman and he got elected into office, when I heard that, I knew something was going to happen to America. Like, America was going to get fucking destroyed, because you should never mix those two. And recently, I remember we talked about this last episode, but he did this, like, black bean commercial with his daughter, Ivanka Trump, they were like holding the beans or whatever. They're like, yeah, we, we buy these beans. That is a commercial advertisement done by the president. That's not good either. Like imagine in the future, companies can now buy advertisements from the president. They can pay a senator or a congressperson or the president. And they can be like, yo, take a picture of you with our product, make a video or do a promotion of our product. We'll pay you. So basically the president's like a celebrity now. And like I said before, that is government and business mixing. And that is very bad. And Yes, Wojka, um, I have a feeling that you're right. And Trump is a fucking stupid ass of a person. But he represents so many bad things happening to America right now. And so that's why I think that he has some sort of agenda going on. Because no one in their right mind would go around and tweet random ass bullshit and say the things he's saying. Even if they're a fucking idiot. So not to be a conspiracy theorist, but I think he has something else going on. He has a secret agenda. Alright, so this episode we've talked a lot about government politics and just, like, the general situation at hand. I think I got a bit, like, rage um, in the middle there. But you know what? It's all good. Be sure to check us out at our Instagram at the underscore PPP podcast. 
And um, we have a YouTube of that same name. We ain't no YouTubers, but if you don't have Spotify or Anchor or any other podcast streaming platforms, you can always go on YouTube. It's free. Hey, uh, thank you so much to Victor Alvarez for the outro and intro music. You can follow him at Veritas underscore music. And he produces some really great stuff. So be sure to check that out. And that's the tea. Thank you.